Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? Well, you know, we put all this work into this podcast and people say they really like it. But once in a while, we get someone who says that their favorite thing about it is the intro music, which we <laughs> have nothing to do with. Yeah, my mom said that once, I think. Uh, well, of course, people like that song. It's Megan Trainer, and it was like written by an international team of hit makers. Um, but totally. you discuss this sometimes and we say maybe we should replace it with something that's a little more personal and maybe something a little less copy written by someone else. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, less legal liability would be good. And and also some of our friends with um, podcasts, they have original music and we wanted to maybe commission something. So we did. And this is what we came up with. Okay. We have no idea if you're going to like this, but here goes nothing. We're just a couple of New York Jews talking about the news, beating back the blues. Made a podcast and here's why Have to laugh so we don't cry Come and join us for the ride Welcome to No Rachel, that was amazing Like, who made that? Brian, you know perfectly well who made it <laughs> Yeah, okay You and I <laughs> wrote the lyrics together Obviously, you can tell And then I wrote the music and I performed it And I sang the whole thing So you can blame me for all that And I just hope everyone out there kind of liked it. Like, Rachel, what's your take? Well, you know, in the undoing, um, when Nicole Kidman sings Dream a Little Dream of Me to the opening credits. Oh, I didn't even know that was her who did it, but it's a great rendition. Yes. Yeah. Well, you, you just one-upped her because not <laughs> only are you singing the song to our prestige podcast, podcast <laughs> you, you wrote, arranged, and produced it. And I'm, I'm really proud and I love it. I did. I did. And I'm not going to get any royalties it, with for it. It's an actual sync. Um, I'm a volunteer jingle writer now, basically. That's my new calling. Um, uh, which is one step above a volunteer firefighter. Oh, <laughs> yes. I have nothing on volunteer jingle writers. Okay. So uh, dear audience, we'd love to hear from you what you think about it. Um, I'm not above killing it and starting from scratch or just going back from Megan Trainer if uh, you want to take up a legal defense fund for us. Uh, let's go on. Other than that song, what have you been up to this week, Rachel? Yeah. So um, by the time you listen to this podcast, I will have been vaccinated or I will have gotten my first dose of Whoa. the vaccine which is very exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Um, Josh and I, thank you. Josh and I are getting our first dose tomorrow in Queens at the Aqueduct racetrack. Um, <laughs> which is, yeah, Among, are, the, are the horses getting vaccines also? That's the thing. I like texted my sister and I was like, guess what? I got an appointment at the Aqueduct racetrack. And she said, oh, I, I didn't realize you were that passionate about <laughs> horse racing, but congratulations. And I was like, no, it's a vaccine center. But the funny thing is that even though um, Josh and I both qualify according to Governor Cuomo's new list of pre-existing conditions, it feels like we're like getting away with something by getting the vaccine this Hi, early. I feel this legit, like overwhelming. We're legit. Of, I know. You qualify. If not you, who? We qualify. I know. I know. But the second I tell someone I'm getting vaccinated, they look at me for a moment and I could see the gears turning in their head. Like, how is how is this person getting it? And as if I'm like performing some right, well, elaborate they're thinking, well, what do, what do you have to which you should think back? None of your fucking business. What I have. I know. I know. I mean, yeah, I, I had I will just say it. I'm not ashamed of it. I, I had thyroid cancer 
five years ago. And Josh has pulmonary issues stemming from his hospitalization last year with COVID. So we're totally legit. Um, and if you're questioning me, I'm giving you the side eye because I'm getting the vaccine and that's it. Well, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I um, uh, This is a little secret that I haven't told very many people, but uh, I'm in Miami Beach right now. Um, my parents are going to hear about it for the first time when they listen to this podcast. I don't want to worry people. I'm having a blast. I just like was going out of my mind with like the 10 consecutive days of snow and it's February, which is the worst month in New York City. And A, I'm very pleasantly surprised. It is as compliant here, masks and distancing as it is in New York. I have not seen a single person enter an indoor facility without a mask. Um, which is pretty amazing. So I feel a little vindicated uh, because of that. I do have some follow-ups from the last time you and I went to Miami, which was a year ago, two years ago. Two um, years ago for Art Basel, yeah. Right, and our big takeaway was that the music in Ubers was particularly bad. It was the worst Uber music in the world. And I'm they have here the to worst taste. The right. Uber drivers have the worst taste in music in Miami, and, and, and anywhere. We, had, we anointed yeah. ourselves the world's premier Uber music critics. And I'm here to yes. report back that it has gotten even worse. Like, oh, no. <laughs> whatever radio station they're playing, like the Z100 of Miami has gotten much, much worse. But one thing that is better about this trip is that I somehow, like, I feel like I magically learned Spanish. Um, and I never took a day of Spanish class or anything. And it just all sounded a little more familiar to me. And then I realized I probably learned a little Spanish by osmosis by watching hundreds of hours of Elite, the Netflix Spanish soap opera that I can't oh, stop yeah, talking about. Oh, yeah, about Spanish teenagers. Yeah, yeah, and I know that Spanish, Spanish Spanish, from Spain isn't the same as Central American or Cuban Spanish or whatever people speak here, um, but just enough, so I got it. And then I realized, like, I think I'm kind of the new Hilaria Baldwin, right? You because are. <laughs> I basically, where is she supposed to be from? The Canary Islands or somewhere? Like, um. Yeah, the Canary Islands. Mallorca, yes. Minorca. Mallorca. Mallorca. So basically- Is Mallorca I'm, in the Canary Islands? I think so. I'm not sure. I'm, no, I'm terrible Canary Islands is like a separate country, I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Cape Verde or something. I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> okay. know. But anyway, I am now semi-fluent in Spanish, at least the parts that uh, pertain to Spanish soap operas. So- uh, Cape bueno. Yeah. <laughs> Mira, I don't know. <laughs> I can't say. I can listen. I can understand. I, I, comprehension is A+. plus. Speaking is not so good. Um, anyway, I don't want to disrespect people who spent decades of their lives mastering Spanish, uh, but I feel pretty good about myself. Rachel, that was my highlight. There's a lot of nopes this week. Why don't you There's a lot of here? nopes. Yep. Yes, yes. And um, I also want to add that because you're in Miami in a hotel room, the Wi-Fi might be a little bit janky on this week's episodes. We apologize in advance for that, but yes. continue with us. So um, a lot of big things are happening this week. Um, a lot of good things. The Supreme Court ruled that uh, New York Attorney General can finally get his hands on Trump's taxes. They're investigating Don Jr. There are all these confirmation hearings and inquiries into the insurrection. But no, on Newsmax... The big news is about the Biden's dog yeah, hot and whether issue. the yeah. hot issue of the day is whether or not champ, the Biden's dog looks sufficiently presidential. <laughs> so what's let's just, a presidential <laughs> dog look like? I mean, it's let's just play the audio clip because okay. it's not to be believed. Did you see the dog? Let's get I want to show you something I noticed. Doesn't he look a little uh, 
a little rough. <laughs> I love dogs, but this dog needs a, a bath and a comb and uh, all kinds of love and care. I've never seen a dog in the White House uh, like this. I've, I remember Buddy. I remember Millie. I remember lots of dogs, but not a dog who seems... I don't know. I don't know how much love and care he is getting. Let's bring in the historians. I, I'm having fun with this, obviously, but I, I, I do want to talk about some stuff. Craig Shirley, Reagan biographer, presidential historian. Craig, welcome back. And Doug Weed, presidential historian, former advisor to George H.W. Bush. That's the White House where I remember Millie. Millie had, like, a staff, and they really took care of her. Very beautiful dog. This dog looks like from, I'm sorry, from the junkyard. And I love that dog, but he looks like he's not been well cared for. No, not not at all. Thank you for having us. Uh, no, he looks very dirty and disheveled, and uh, very unlike a presidential dog like uh, Millie or Victory or something else in the past in the uh, in the White House. In fact, that's coming from Newsmax. That's not not to be believed. It's news. exactly it's exactly what I would expect for them. I mean, Biden's off right. to a pretty good start, right? You got to find something to criticize. So why not take it out on the dog, the poor why poor not dog, right? Right. So they're showing a picture of Champ, who's this adorable 12 year old German Shepherd, not to be confused with Major, which is their other dog, who's a German Shepherd and the first rescue dog to ever occupy the White House, which is a pretty big deal. And then they get these two presidential historians to go on Newsmax to insult the appearance of a dog in an effort to cast aspersions on the Bidens. And who the hell are these people and what? Is wrong who with are the, who are the presidential scholars? It, this was not like Douglas Brinkley and uh, Evan. What's his name? Like these are not the like proper by Walter. I, why can't I remember any of these names? But the people who write the biographies of the presidents, McCullough, are these, David, yeah, McCullough, David McCullough, no. right? <laughs> right. Okay. So Greg Shirley, he's the author. Oh, of Greg books Shirley! I've read yes, all the, of his books about. But he, like he did have a best-selling book, and he's going on and on about Millie, which is um, George H.W. Bush's dog, and how Millie was a truly presidential dog and then like late Millie was an English Springer Spaniel very dignified looking dog and later on in the segment the other presidential historian whose name is Doug Weed um <laughs> He they needed a lot. They couldn't just have one presidential historian weighing in on this topic. They had to bring in two, right? Um and, and so said that Millie was actually Ranger, who was one of Millie's offspring, and that the Bushes presented Ranger as Millie because Millie was getting old and didn't look as good in photographs. Oh, my God. That's a that is a that's scandal. That's a scandal. That's, that's a, a huge scandal. scandal. How? What? That's like uh, Lassie. They were Rin Tin Tin, right? Weren't there like 10 of them because they all died or like Menudo, right? They every time one of the Menudos aged out of the group or died, they just brought they would in, just a bring new in another one and pretend like it was. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Or, yeah. This is uh this is a, a, a blight on the presidency of George HW Bush. I cannot believe. And Barbara Bush, who's like the, the matriarch of this entire family. She's her she sanctioned this. She it was just, a sham. This was a sham. <laughs> she stood by and, and looked. So first and thing, just, first they came for the presidential dogs. Like this is terrible. This is terrible. They were so focused on the appearance of the dog that they couldn't honor Millie, who was just getting old. So they put her out to pasture. But so, I mean, no, no to new, no 
to Newsmax. I can't even say the word nope, um, but nope to any presidential historian who agrees to go on TV to talk about the appearance of a dog, right? I mean, yeah, they should obviously. be. It's like you don't talk about the president's children. You don't talk about the president's dog. They're just there to be adored, admired. The kids of America should look up to the dog as a, you know, and, and you know something like don't look shame a dog. Dogs come up <laughs> in all colors, creeds. <laughs> Do not look gender sexualities like you know it, it it's not for us to judge like let dogs be dogs and totally and the and the dogs by the way seem to be delightful and very well cared for so i don't even know what they're talking about and if newsmax really wanted to be on the dog beat they would have turned their attention and the attention <laughs> of these presidential historians to the only dog worth talking about this week and that is ted cruz's poodle Snowflake, who was left home alone. I love that. I love that the poodle's name is Snowflake because that's oh, my, you know yes. the epithet they use for the liberal to own Snowflake. the libs, right? Yes. It just it goes to show that that's all they care about, just like a dig, like an insult. Is right. The, they are well, the I know, party I know of the, trolls. I know this story, and it is uh, appropriate that this dog is called Snowflake because of what happened to poor Snowflake this week, right? Yes, yes. Texas was hit with this horrible snowstorm. People were freezing to death without power. So what does the Cruz family do? They fly to Cancun and they are, you know, he's summarily shamed and flies back. And the whole story is like a slow motion debacle culminating with Snowflake standing in the window looking for more. Wait, they left Snowflake in the freezing house with no heat and hot water, like just by him or herself. They like, say they left Snowflake with a dog sitter and that there was heat back on by that point. I, I don't know, but like the optics of the situation were terrible. Like, and also, I mean, doesn't Snowflake deserve a vacation in Cancun also? Like people, why you can't you bring, take, oh. it's a small dog. You could bring a small dog on a plane. Yeah, it's not, not like Coco who needs like an entire row of first class. <laughs> an entire <laughs> jet. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a poodle, yeah. So like the whole thing just like spiraled out of control, like Ted Cruz, you know, first he blamed his daughters and oh, that's and said, right. <laughs> that's right. very he classy. Said, like, move. He was trying to be a good dad. And so he flew to Cancun, but he was planning on flying right back. But that was a total lie. And then like Heidi Cruz's text chain got leaked to the New York Times and the, the group text thread was called Lovelies, which is hysterical. It's That's like the name they her... give themselves as like the yes, name of the, the thread. Lovelies. Oh. The Lovelies. And one what? of the Lovelies doxed Heidi <laughs> Cruz, essentially. <laughs> and she's, you know, complaining about how cold it is, inviting them to join her at the Ritz-Carlton. Then she's photographed on the beach in a bikini. And just as that's happening, the snowflake story drops. And isn't, and isn't, isn't this wife like a Goldman banker? She, yeah, she, what does she need Ted Cruz for? That's what I no. was wondering. Like, and why would she be in a, in a text thread called the Lovelies? Like, doesn't she have any like self-esteem? Like, that's a terrible name. I'm sure she does not. If she, look who <laughs> she's married to. And I, I am assuming she's a horrible person because she's married to him, but she can't possibly be as horrible as him because he is the worst. The, the Nadir, the worst. he is the worst, right. He is he the is, scum of the so, Right. So um, so then, like, after all this happens to clear the air, Ted Cruz goes on a conservative podcast called Ruthless that was created in the wake of the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Get it? 
Someone actually named a podcast Ruthless, like we no longer have Ruth, so let's have a podcast yes. called Ruthless. That is, I'm, I'm vomiting in my mouth. Who, it's, it's, who would ever do that? It's disgusting. And the logo, it says Ruthless over like a picture of the Supreme Court. So it's and just like, like, by the way, by the way, given how much, given how much work like owner meets ruthless, given how much work we put into finding topics for this podcast, right? Like how much is there to talk about? Like Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and like, okay, next week we're going to talk about what? Like still dead, like a Amy Comey, Coney Barrett for one week. And then what? Like, well, it's it just like, like a, it's just the name they gave to a conservative podcast right. that was launched in the wake of her death. It's disgusting. So Ted Cruz goes on and decides like he's going to blame the media because first it's his daughters and now it's the media. And he says, here's a suggestion. Just don't be a assholes. Treat each other as human beings, like says the guy <laughs> who incited an insurrection last month. And then when his state is suffering through a huge crisis, flees to Mexico and leaves his dog in a freezing cold house and blames the media and like I, i'm just so disgusted like how is this person still in the senate the people of texas deserve so much better like nope 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 hashtag justice for snowflake absolutely not is that a movement no. is that trending yes <laughs> justice, justice for, for snowflake, snowflake. <laughs> okay can we shut this down shut it down okay no no no, no mistreating no, no. dogs in the white house and the senate in texas anywhere okay so speaking of ted cruz uh c PAC is coming up, the conservative PAC, right? It's the sort of the pinnacle. This is the, the Woodstock of conservative. And every year they have a theme. And this year, the theme, of course, is America Uncancelled. Um, oh, because of cancer. Is that like culture. unplugged? Is that like yes, TV yes, it's like Nirvana, yeah. <laughs> right? They're gonna have Ted Cruz in a in a uh, a, a cardigan. Swim trunks. <laughs> and... <laughs> right. Um, so they have the usual rogues gallery lined up to speak. Trump is gonna speak, the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, the South Dakota governor, Christy Noem, who's also despicable. We haven't really talked about her. But then if you look at the lineup that they published, there was a very unusual man. Um, by the name of Young Pharaoh <laughs> yes, that yes. nobody had heard of. And it left some heads scratching, head scratching. And um, is it for per just in time for Purim? <laughs> no, that's Mordechai. No, that's uh, Achashverosh, not Pharaoh. <laughs> not Young Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Is Passover. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> That'll be here too soon enough. I, uh, Purim is closer. Okay, so um, funny you should mention the Jews because he has a lot to say about the Jews. Um, here is an example of a tweet, and I have a bunch of them. I, I had a huge inventory of tweets that it was like uh, it was like picking your babies, which is your favorite child here. So here's one: there is no historical or scientific evidence proving the existence of Jews or Judaism. It's a complete lie. Go get the best hashtag Jewish hashtag scholar you can find, and I'll expose hashtag religion as being completely made up for hashtag political gain. Emojis 100, fire, swords, hashtag it never happened. So, huh, this is, this is a hot take. This is like very well researched. There's more, there's a lot more. So, um, he also yeah. tweets wow. the word amen, which of course it's not just Jews I use, 
the word amen stolen by thieving fake Jews from the Egyptian deity, amen, amen, meaning darkness, sleep, and subconscious. The Hebrew language is made up fantasy. Well, that will come as a surprise to these 7 million Jews living in Israel who speak Hebrew. And I speak Hebrew. It is very much a language. It is not made up. I mean, it may have been every language was made up at some point. At some point, (laughs) of course. So correct. (laughs) One point to I can't help but agree. The young Pharaoh. Okay, now we bring it around. All the censorship and pedophilia on social media is being done by Israeli Jews. All of these big tech companies, media and social media platforms are controlled by CCP. What is that? Soviet Socialist Republic, the old CCP, um, and Israel through Jewish CEO and corrupt Democrats. And then here's the final one. This is made my favorite. Uh, Dear Black people, we have extraterrestrial hashtag DNA connecting and confirmation our ancestral descent. The COVID test and vaccines alter your DNA with nanotech. This will destroy your true power as well as transfer ownership of your body to a foreign entity. You have been warned. Um, so I would say, oh, and then he talks about frazzle drip. Um, of course. So, so he fits right in. That's what I was going to say. He's absolutely mainstream, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then it's, there's internal contradiction here because he can't say Jews don't exist. And then he can't then say that they control the world. Like you pick your, pick a lane, like either they exist and are evil or they don't exist at all. Right. Um, right. So the final irony here is that the uh, the conference entitled America Uncancelled promptly canceled him and took him off the uh, took him off the roster. So um, which again is but ironic. Why cancel him and not like Ted Cruz or any of the cancel other all people. of them? Cancel <laughs> Donald Trump? Just like skip a year? Like just, just... call it America Cancelled. <laughs> I know. I know. It's just guys like this don't come. I mean, we thought Mar- Marjorie Q. Green was like the pinnacle of this, but then up comes more magic. Young Pharaoh really. Young is- Pharaoh. So they cancel the one black guy who's basically saying <laughs> exactly the same thing that they're all saying. So they're racist for carrying up for, yes. for canceling young Pharaoh. If it had yes. been, if it had been young, Marjorie Taylor Green, Green, they would be like, well, she probably is. Yeah. Young <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. Sure. <laughs> put her on the throne. Give her the keynote. The, put her on the dais. Yeah. <laughs> but no, poor young Pharaoh. So I'm not going to give nope to young Pharaoh because he's just he's doing him. I'm going to give nope to the, <laughs> to to the organizers of CPAC yes. who, who like figure it like get your shit together. Figure out are you are you on the bus or off the bus here? Because you can't have it both ways. But There's- yeah, I saw like they put out a statement on Twitter, like the CPAC organizers saying they wouldn't name young Pharaoh. They said one of our speakers has been canceled <laughs> because of inflammatory statements he has made in the past. And Which is like, exactly what like- what liberals or just right thinking people say when they disinvite someone from speaking on a campus, which every, all the conservatives are howling. It's, it's canceling and censorship. Cult. I know. I, know, know. Also- I support CPAC's right to have whoever the fuck they want speak or not speak at their conference. Like, Sure, sure. But by those, they should like apply a uniform standard to everybody. And by those standards, <laughs> every single person invited to speak at CPAC has made inflammatory or incorrect statements at some point in their life. It just does not exactly narrow it down. And like, 
like just identify the person in the tweet. Don't leave it mysterious, you know? So they're hypocritical and racist and evil. Okay. Yes. Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. We'll report back next week when it actually happens. Uh, Rachel, what do you have next? Yeah, so the Golden Globes are coming up on Sunday. We got to have something um, something to look forward to. Yeah, the start of award season. And like, you know, I don't really care about the Golden Globes. The nominations were announced a few weeks ago. We didn't discuss it on this podcast because it's a bullshit award show run by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which consists of 87 people from like Russia, most of whom <laughs> don't even work full time for it's any Russian legitimate bots. It's <laughs> media outlet. Yeah, it's like a, it's a cartel. And the actor... Gary Oldman said it best when he called the HFPA 90 nobodies having a wank. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And he's a Golden Globe winner himself. So you can sit there and say, who gives a shit? But here's why it matters. The broadcast, which NBC pays big money for every year, it's critical in setting the tone for award season. And it can really raise the visibility of actors and directors and change the trajectories of their careers. So the decisions of this small group of 87 nobodies having a wank has a big impact on the entire industry. And the HFPA, it was recently revealed, has zero Black members and has a long and shameful history of totally ignoring work from Black creators. Like, for example, this year, um, I Will Destroy You on HBO by uh, Michaela Cole. It was totally snubbed, even though it's objectively the most groundbreaking creative interesting show of the year. And last year, Ava DuVernay's amazing, brilliant When They See Us, which I know you watched and loved as well, um, about the Central Park Five was also snubbed. So those things are just every well, year, it's the same you would, thing. You would think that given that it's the foreign press and it represents you know, the non-American, the rest of the world get their say, there's an entire continent called Africa, which represents many, not all of the people of color of the black people in the world. Um, sure, and you would there's think certainly just like, journalists there. To the best of my knowledge, there are. Like, <laughs> why not Why not extend an invitation to the HFPA? To a whole to continent, to a whole, right. Yeah. And I don't want to generalize. I know not everybody, in, uh, there's plenty of black people around the world and not everybody in, in Africa is black. But suffice to say that if Africa had equal representation, they would probably find a few black people to be in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Sure, sure. So, okay, so there's that. So that's a big problem. But then you look at the flip side of it, which is what winds up getting nominated. And one of the most surprising nominations was for Emily in Paris. Did you watch <laughs> Emily in Paris on Netflix? I was, I've thought it would be my kind of show and I was warned away probably by you first, but then by a multitude of people. It's like people just like hate watched it during quarantine because they were so desperate. Right. For it was like Sex in the City 2, right? Exactly. Like, and it was by the same creator. Um, I think Darren Starr. Darren Starr. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 It was a terrible show. It, it, I felt like the way I described it was like a stale macaron that was like left on the countertop <laughs> that you can't help but just like kind of nibble around the edges because it's so and then, bright and, and then shiny. Decide, and, and then decide you don't want it after it's all. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it just the show follows this moron American white girl played <laughs> by Lily Collins, daughter of Phil Collins. She moves to Paris for work and she can't speak the language and she's just like a typical American and it's just like idiotic. So the L.A. Times this week had this big story about how the HFPA is a gigantic grift and even its own members spoke anonymously to the reporters on the story to say that they were upset that a federal judge a few months ago dismissed an antitrust lawsuit that was brought by 
a Norwegian journalist <laughs> who couldn't join the organization because they felt like it's all spiraling. The grift is all spiraling out of control. But what do they have to gain by it? Like, are there perks? <laughs> do they get free yes, screeners? Yes. Like, what are the perks? <laughs> so without going too far into this particular case, the HFPA, it's, it's a nonprofit. They're taking in like they have one big thing, which is the Golden Globes broadcast. And they take in like twenty five million dollars from NBC for the rights to broadcast it. And they take the money and then they pay the members for stupid shit like writing for goldenglobes.com or attending fancy events, which they should not be doing. So the article found that the HFPA members themselves collected $2 million in payments from the group in fiscal 2020 for serving on various committees, performing all these all right, tasks. So it's like double dipping from a non, a, allegedly a nonprofit. They're just paying themselves to run a nonprofit. Which, which right, very, it's like the Trump or it's like the Trump Foundation or whatever. Exactly. It's they're robbing Peter to pay Paul and all these journalists are, you know, because of their, you know, the the COVID slowdown and the decades long decline in the media business, all these entertainment journalists are getting less and less work. So they need more and more grift to pay their bills. And so um, it's just getting worse and worse. And they're so brazen. And every Hollywood awards marketing expert knows that these 87 people are open to being bribed. So they do whatever they can to bribe them. And it's much easier to bribe them than to bribe members of the Academy, which is like 10,000 people. And they have stricter rules. Also, those people are actually working in Hollywood. So like you have, they require some dignity, right? You can't just (laughs) buy off Totally, You're not just like some Russian bodybuilder, which is literally legitimately someone who's part of the HFPA. So, so, so the Globes are like, they're basically like the former White House. And this was the big example. Um, I mentioned Emily in Paris before, and there's a reason for it. And this is why it was nominated, I think. So in 2019, more than 30 HFPA members were flown to France to visit the set of Emily in Paris. While they were there, the studio behind the show, Paramount, treated the group to a two-night stay at the Peninsula Hotel where rooms go for $1,400 a night and a news conference with lunch at a private museum filled with amusement rides dating to 1850 <laughs> where the show was shooting. So like, then one of the show's own writers in the wake of... Um, of the nominee announcements, Deborah Kobacon, she wrote an op-ed in The Guardian that she couldn't believe that her own show was nominated and I made destroy <laughs> because you. it was, was shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the Globes will be on Sunday night. I, I don't think I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. No, I don't have time no, for that. I'd rather I watch mean, yeah, I'd rather rewatch anything, the literally show. anything yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey are hosting again. And I don't know. I think now that this is all out there in the open, it would be really nice if everyone in the entertainment industry going forward agreed to boycott the Golden Globes unless they institute some serious reforms and expand their membership base. Because this is it's disgraceful. It's this was gross. this was funny. But honestly, I have trouble getting my dander up about <laughs> such nonsense. Like, just it's, let it die. Uh, it is, no, I know. No, it should die. It should die. Just just okay. kill it. No. Nope. Yeah.
No, nope, absolutely okay. not. So um, I'm going to wrap up my portion with, uh, we were talking last week about the difference between 2020 and 21 and how it's just a continuation. Well, I have the most 2021 story ever. And by ever, I mean a month and a half into the year. And it is a convergence of conspiracy theories, denialism, trutherism, Gen Z, TikTok, and everything. And it is all converging on the most <laughs> unlikely of subjects, a name I did not think I would ever hear in my life again, especially in this context, but Helen Keller, <laughs> the great author, activist. <laughs> um, uh, uh, okay. She lived from 1880 to 1968. We all know what her deal is. She, was, she But she also, she I was, did a little research. She co-founded the ACLU. Did you know that? She wrote 14 books and hundreds of speeches and uh, the Helen Keller National Center for the Deaf Blind. Brilliant woman, an yeah. amazing. Is in Sands Point, right? Brilliant woman. Right oh. by where we grew up, the Helen Keller Center is right in Sands Point, like five yeah, minutes from where I grew up. Yeah, we went on a school field trip there, I remember. Yeah, yeah. So she's a national treasure. Um, so, <laughs> and of course, what does the current generation, Gen Zs and teens, have to say about this transformative and inspirational figure in our history? They say that she either never existed or was at least a fraud. they can't they they just can't believe that somebody such as this where did she have the energy the energy to be a fraud with everything she did it takes a lot of work to be a fraud okay so how did this emerge you might ask so the first evidence of this conspiracy theory of the Helen Keller truthers um, was in May of last year. It's a now deleted video by someone called at Ali, uh, Ali Zan Hasharita. And she initiated the hashtag uh, Helen Keller wasn't real. And that got 600,000 views. And then there was a column in Medium that everyone was reading that initiated uh, hashtag Helen Keller is over party and that she was an ur- urban legend. Hashtag... Helen Keller is over party. Like that means like it's as if like we're having a party because Helen Keller is over. It's like fetch. She's it's been, like, is it a thing? Well, first of all, she died in 1968. She's been, she's been she's, over she's, for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is where it got really big. So there was a TikTok by someone named at crunk 19 that's gotten 2 million views. And a sample of what this guy said is, we got to talk about this whole Helen Keller thing because I've had enough. I've heard it my whole life. She's deaf. She's blind. She's amazing. No. Guess what? She lied. She's a liar. Her and that monster, (laughs) Ann Sullivan, pulled the wool over our eyes and nobody's ever thought to question it. (laughs) Monster Ann Sullivan. Pulled the wool over our eyes? Who cares about Keller? And Annie Sullivan, like we all saw the miracle worker with like the hand with water, water. She won the Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this guy says now says that it's a satire account and it's like, right, Jan, sure, Jan, like, yeah, after the fact. So the problem, no matter how much it was satire, the teens are obviously taking it seriously and they're obsessed about it. So they're picking out little parts of her history and like casting doubt upon it. So she wrote 14 <laughs> books and then people are saying she didn't write any other, any books. People, how could she write a book, right? People pumped her up and wrote her books for her. 
And then little known fact, she flew a plane to Paris, which she obviously <laughs> had some help with, but it was like she co-piloted it, which is, I couldn't co-pilot a plane to Paris. I would be Okay, you have to have perfect eyesight to qualify. (laughs) I didn't say she was the lead captain. I just she was she was in the cockpit. Fine, I'm sure she contributed in other ways. That said, I admire her for trying for doing whatever she did. It's more than I've ever done, and yet people are saying, "How is it possible she cannot?" Anyway, my point was this is one of the truly infallible heroes, heroines of American history. There is no fault that you can find in Helen Keller unless there's some deep crevice of history that I've never heard about. And even then, I think she can be forgiven. But moral of the story is we cannot have nice things. We cannot have Helen Keller as our national treasure. These We need to start like- She needs to be in the garden of earthly delights. She needs to be in the national- (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We need to like- spearhead a movement to combat Helen Keller disinformation. This is a, this is troubling. Facebook, Facebook should probably and TikTok should probably ban Helen Keller content. <laughs> <laughs> they lose too much advertising revenue. It's a major source of clickbait for them. <laughs> this just shows how desperate people are. Like what random historical figure are they going to dig up next to deny existed or Amelia Earhart. (laughs) She no too many people who know that it like people kids don't even know who Helen Keller is like they never saw the miracle worker. Tonight I am going to tell AJ about Helen Keller. I'm going to inoculate him from this myth. Yes yes every parent in America should before (laughs) before the terrible. Before it's too late. <laughs> There's no looking back once you've heard it. Okay, shut this down. No, no. no Wait, oh, did you have no, one little no. addendum to this? Because uh, we're running out of time. Yeah. Well, I was going to talk about how this is very quick, but like it just sort of in light of what you were saying about these Gen Zers, they're also side part shaming millennials. Side they, parts. They're saying side part, like parting the, your hair. Like, like I always part my hair on the side towards the left because that's where my natural part is but like they're parting it in the middle and saying that but that's like very 70s right they're retro so they're saying people from the 80s and 90s are square because we're doing side parts and then it gets cool it's like you know what this is like it's from like 22 jump street or whatever where like kids we used to wear the backpack with one strap on our shoulder and now the kids wear it with two straps and when we were kids like do whatever you want but don't shame people for doing the other thing part wherever you want strap it on however you want like it's your life like what it's your and, life and it's all these kids who are no saying like oh like... We're, we shouldn't shame anyone because of their body or their gender preference and I agree with all of that and yet when it comes to hair parting suddenly they're you know <laughs> they've suddenly, got lots to say skinny jeans they there's oh yeah they it's hate like skinny okay jeans. boomer with skin they yeah. hate skinny oh there's jeans, a million so, I get sucked um, into the BuzzFeed articles about like here's 50 things that millennials say you know, Gen Z hates and I'm just choking on it. Like it's, it's fascinating. It's just, um, and gruesome yeah. and gruesome at the same time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so nope. Shut down all those people. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. That is a full week's worth of dope. Let's move on to the upsies, a little rays of light, a little because of hope that got us through the week. Rachel, Ooh, you have a yummy one this time. Yeah, you do a lot so of food. Yes. I do a lot of food things. Cause it's really been 
cooking is the one thing that really brings me joy. And um, I made French onion soup this week, which I know you love as I well, do. because it's kind of just But I can't like eat a, the bread. So I, I eat it just, it's just like a mound of cheese in onion just, soup. Yeah, right. It's a vector for <laughs> melted Gruyere cheese. And it's, I mean, making French onion soup is a whole schmagoo. It's like a multi-hour process. Yeah, but crock, but I, special crock? Like, did you, don't you need Yeah, well, I did it in the instant, I did it in the instant pot, which um, cut down the time significantly, but it was still a whole thing. And then I just, I had French onion soup for like two nights in a row for dinner. And it was like truly delightful and Josh loved it too. And so I highly recommend to anyone making it. I'll, I'll put the recipe in the show notes. If you have an instant pot, it makes, it cuts down the time significantly. Ooh, now it's I'm delicious. hungry for French onion soup. Here's mine. It's a very strange one that I don't expect anybody will take my recommendation up on, but it is a series that's on Netflix or similar, and it's called Stath, S-T-A-T-H, Let's Flats, like he rents apartments. It's British, as you can tell. And it stars the guy from Fleabag, the guy with the big teeth, with the ugly guy from the first oh, series. Oh, yeah, from the first right. episode. Well, yeah. he's, a, he's a comic genius, and he doesn't really have those teeth. Those are prosthetics. Um, right, of course. And uh, I'm always on the lookout for new Britcoms, and when I find them, I just devour them in one night. Um, so this is a guy he uh, portrays, and I think really is, uh, from Cyprus of Greek descent, his sister plays his sister. There's a father as well. And they run like a rundown real estate agency in London. And he is like a real estate agent for like shitty, renting out shitty apartments. And he is just a complete idiot. Um, like a Michael Scott or an Alan Partridge, if you know who that is, just like a bumbling fool. But like those two characters. That sounds great. This sounds like right in my wheelhouse. This show yeah. sounds incredible. Oh, oh, it's like, it's cringe comedy. Like you watch it and you're like, <laughs> no. Oh, that's so funny, right? But he's pitiable and strangely sympathetic and likable and you want him to succeed. So I do recommend, you will never remember the name of this, so check the show notes, Staff Let's Flats. In fact, when I was trying to write it down on this uh, on my notes here, I had to look it up like five times because I couldn't remember his name or the name of the show. Anyway, please check that out. Okay. That's what we got, okay. right? Right. That's all, all right. we got this week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're gonna. I think we're gonna try the same song without. We're gonna do a karaoke version as the outro. So we'll see. You'll get another chance to hear the music, but without my horrible warbling this time. And no, we'll see how great. you like that as I well. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anyway. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, tell someone in uh, person. That's the best way to spread the word where ratings have been great. They continue to go up and we're really grateful to you for supporting us. Uh, let's see. It's been a terrible week, but it's been a fun podcast to record. Thank you for listening. This has been Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Down.